We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender Ed. Blender HD. If you want to follow me on Twitter, and it's Tuesday, July 18th, and I'm kind of losing my voice. I got a bit of a cough. I got a bit of a sore throat, a little. So, so I'm a little bit hoarse today. A little bit hoarse. A little bit cow. A little bit far, another far, any other farm animal that you like. I'm a little bit, a little bit of it. Uh, and uh, and I, I don't really have anything planned today. Today's a, today's a YouTube chat day. I'm calling. I'm calling it. I'm calling it. Today is YouTube chat driven only, right? You could normally send in your questions. Send in your questions. Questions at theoryofdfs.com. But also, you could you could post in the YouTube chat. Give me those thummy thumbs in the morning. You know how much I love the thummy thumbs and the subscribey scribes, right? Subscribe if you're new here. Hit the notification bell to know when we go live. We always get the early birds here, right? The watazes and the defects and the. I guess, uh, Su- where's Suki Singbane? See, he's been around? I guess so. But uh, this is more of a more of a YouTube chat type of day. So whatever you guys want to talk about, that's what we'll talk about, right? Let's see on Twitter. What's going on with the running back stuff? Did I miss something? What's, go- what's going on with people complaining about running backs? Or the running backs complaining about others? What- what's going on? All I saw was Saquon Barkley and Josh Jacobs. They're, but they're holding out or something. What's going on with the running backs, people? Tell me in the YouTube chat. Is it that like no one wants to pay running backs anymore? Like in the NFL, like they're just not willing to, no one wants to pay running back, which is probably correct, right? I think that's what's, is that what's going on? Just that running backs aren't getting good contracts anymore? 
Because people are talking about changing the rules. What rules are we talking about here? Andrew Colbert says the running back markets for defense. It seems like the value of running backs have dropped compared to wide receivers and tight ends. Well, that it's correct that it should. But what rules are they looking to change? Is it more about the rookie contracts? What's going on? I mean, we, we, we've kind of proven this already, right? It's been shown. People have shown in, in the data, in the data, the analytics or whatever, that running backs are like, there's not that much difference between them. Like running backs don't matter. That was that, that actually in, in the fantasy sports, fantasy football community for multiple years. Running backs don't matter. Like running backs are, are the easily re- replaceable position because the difference between most running backs doesn't really matter. You just, you, it's more of a function of the offense and the offensive line and, and everything like that than the talent of the running back. And running backs are the, mo- the, the position that's most likely to get injured. And this is why so many teams now have running backs by committee. Like no one, there's no bell cows anymore. It's not like back in the day. You don't have Emmett Smiths. You don't have Thurman Thomases or anything like that, right? You don't. You don't. You don't have. You don't have any any of that really anymore. Uh, and and the only uh, Derrick Henry comes close, I guess. Like the complete outliers. I mean McCaffrey because of his pass catching ability. But other than that, I mean. Does a team really want to pay for the most injury-prone position uh, on something where the best way to probably run is to have three or four running backs rotate in? So how much how much money do they expect to make, I guess? But what's this rule? I, I see people saying, oh, they need to change the rules. But I don't even know what you're talking about. I think someone mentioned on Twitter something about a rookie contract. That a standard rookie contract is like, what, three or four years? And the problem with that is that with running backs, that if you're if basically if you're good, by the time you get to free agency, no, no one wants to pay you anyway. Right? So if you're a rookie at like, what, 22, 23 years old, something like that, right? And then you play out a four-year contract until you're 26, 27. And then, you know, you're not getting, you're not, that, that should be the time that you get the biggest pay, you know, the big free agent contract. But no one wants to pay a 30-year-old running back. So the contract that you'd get at 27 would be like for one or two years for a lot of money. And then that's about it. So is that, is that what people are complaining? Is that what pe- who's complaining? I don't even know who's complaining. Seems like the same people on my Twitter timeline that have been harping running backs don't matter in fantasy sports for, for years are the ones complaining that running backs down can't get paid. It's one or the other. If they don't matter, then how are you going to get paid? Right? Daniel Hutchinson says, I always thought of the running back in the O-line as a unit. Yeah, pretty much. Defense asks, is it the use of helmet change? I I've, I don't know. This isn't my wheelhouse. Remember, I I mean, yeah, am I a sports fan? Sure, yes, I guess so. Right? But outside of like how how this this affects me the, the ability to win fantasy sports or betting, like it doesn't matter to me. I don't care. I don't care how much they get paid. I I always root for the players though. Right when when in, when in doubt, when it comes to money, right? Whenever there's a there's a labor dispute, you always side with labor. Always side with labor. So no matter what no matter what it is with the actor strike the writer strike, you always side with labor. 
Oh, but they're millionaires. Yeah, but these guys are billionaires. Right, you're, I'm always against the billionaires. The players should, should make more money. Take a look at the UFC. It's, it's almost criminal how little did these guys get paid. But Pantoja was talk. Pantoja's now the champion, and like two fights previous, he was like driving an Uber. It's not like he's like a new fighter or anything like that. They just don't get paid enough. Those fighters matter. I think those fighters matter, matter more than running backs. But I don't know. That's what I did. I've been. I looked on Twitter. I was in the bathroom, scrolling through Twitter. And I see people talking to, in my in my past feed. Right when I switch over to the for you, so I don't do that often. All I saw was running back stuff. Running back stuff. Running back stuff. Look what happened. Someone die. All I saw in the news yesterday was with Saquon Barkley and Josh Jacobs are not signing contracts or something. They're being they're out of their workouts or when they're holding out or something. Maybe another running back also because there was a third one in there. And obviously that matters for like like if you're drafting best ball or something. Obviously, for DFS purposes, I mean, see, that's a great thing about DFS. Like this type of stuff doesn't matter to you. Right, it doesn't matter until like the the it doesn't matter the Sunday morning of the first slate, right? Or third the Thursday night football games showdown. I'm I'm pretty sure that by inactives, I'll know who's playing. Right, I don't need I don't need to worry about oh is this guy going to play all 17 weeks or anything? No, I don't. That's what's called daily fantasy sports. You don't have to worry about this crap. Okay, Andrew Cl- Coleman is is clarifying this. They're cl- complaining about the franchise tag market. Oh my God, what the hell is the franchise? I know, I heard of the franchise tag. And from all intents and purposes, I've I've seen on, on Twitter that, from what I guess, players don't want to be franchise tagged. And that seems like the opposite of what you would want, right? Wouldn't you want to be the franchise player? So they're complaining about the franchise tag market. So there's a separate market for franchise tag. So this is the, this is the stuff that I don't pay attention to because it doesn't have anything to do with how I personally can make money. Right, it doesn't affect me, so I don't care. I don't care how much these guys pays. It's the only position where the price has decreased. Okay, so so what happens when you get the franchise tag? I, I mean, we're gonna have the YouTube chat, and for, but this essentially is a show that the YouTube chat is gonna teach me about about how this works. Apparently, so the fr- but I thought, what's the purpose of putting the franchise? I always thought. That you put the franchise tag or someone that you want to protect. You want to lock in a certain price or something. Is there something that's bar- collectively bargained on how much you get paid if you're franchise tagged? I don't know. Defix says Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, and Tony Pollard are all unable to reach multi-year contract ahead of the deadline to do so for franchise tag players. What's the purpose of a franchise tag? Why don't we look that up? What's the purpose of a franchise tag? Well, let's see. There's a one-year contract that every team is allowed to use issued once per offseason. It allows a franchise to strategically retain a player on a guaranteed deal with a non-negotiated salary. It can only be used on players set to become unrestricted free agents. Okay, so basically when someone's contract is up, they could that a team once an offseason could just basically say 
you're franchise tagged. You're with us for another year, guaranteed. Right? Can a player refuse a franchise team? The player cannot become a registered free agent by refusing a franchise or transition. Why does this exist? This seems like something that that the players' union would. Is this? I was a franchise tag. How does the franchise tag work? This is the problem with American sports leagues. Like I prefer, I prefer, I prefer the soccer, the, the worldwide soccer model, where just outbound, just unrelenting capitalism and there's no rules but also in those leagues there's also promotion and relegation so you better do well or you get demoted so the franchise tag so essentially when you get fran- the players should want to get franchise tag because essentially it takes away a year of free agency from them on a non-negotiated salary but what what is the salary the what is it a salary that is it a salary that that they just Played for? Or is it a set salary? Jesus, all these rules. Right, Law of the Hybrid says it binds the player to, to the team for one year. It's non-negotiable. Why does this exist? So Daniel Hudges says, I thought the point of the tag is to force a player to play for your team for one more year without having to pay top dollar. Yeah, the, who agrees to this? Uh, how did how did how did this become a thing? This seems like something that the players' union would be like. like why does this exist? It was this a concession of something else that the like I'm in the in the, the latest CBA collective bargaining agreement. Is this something that was like put in on the owner's side to compensate for something that they gave the players? This can't, this seems like it's totally anti-player. Oh, so Quinn Williams says franchise tag salary is the average of the top five salaries at that position. And and obviously, if running backs across the league are getting paid less and less, the average of the top five salaries is going to be lower now. Okay. Right. Franchise tag players get paid via formula. And as Law of the Hybrid says, I only learned about franchise tags from playing Madden as a kid. I played Madden also. I don't remember. I, maybe I'm I'm much older. My Madden games didn't have franchise tags. When did this happen? When did, when did Let's see. Can a team remove the franchise tag? How much do the franchise tag players make? Yeah. Essentially. Okay. So and yeah, here we go. You can just Google all of this, of course. Or if it's higher, they could also pay 120% of a player's salary the previous season. So if they want to give you a 20% raise of your past contract they could do that okay like why why did why did this come to be okay let's look at wikipedia maybe wikipedia has a the background oh in 1993 they introduced the franchise tag i guess the video games that i played like they just didn't, didn't include it okay so let's 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 uh, I mean, whatever Hey, I said it's guided by the YouTube chat. I asked the question, and people want to talk about it. I don't know if it has anything to do with fantasy sports, but this is what people want to talk about. But people are posting. People, I see you guys in YouTube. You're you're basically you're looking it up and you're posting it in the chat for me. Okay, so so essentially, the background on this is that it was introduced in 1993. 
There are two types of franchise tag designations, the exclusive rights franchise tag and the non-exclusive rights franchise tag. Okay, the exclusive franchise player must be offered a one-year contract for an amount no less than the average of the top five salaries at the player's position as of date in the current year, blah, 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 or 120% of the player's previous year's salary, whichever is greater. Exclusive franchise players cannot negotiate with other teams. The player's team has all the negotiated rights to the exclusive player. The non-exclusive franchise player, it seems like top, top five cap hits at a player's position for the previous five years or 120%, whichever is greater. Okay, so a non-exclusive franchise player may negotiate with other NFL teams, but if the player signs an offer from another team, the original team has a right to match the terms of the offer. And if it doesn't, it receives two first-round draft picks as compensation. Okay. Consecutive franchise tags are allowed. However, for a player to be tagged in two straight years, the team must pay 120% of the player's previous salary. Tagged for three straight years, the team must play the player 144% of the previous salary or an average of the top five salaries at the highest paid position, whichever is higher. But who negotiated this? This seems like... Article 10 of the Collective Bargaining Agreement signed in 2011 stipulates that in final league year, teams are allowed to use both the franchise tag and transition tag. The franchise tag provides general managers and owners a strategic way to manage salary costs and limit exposure to financial risk associated associated with a long-term contract. Unsurprisingly, many designated players have criticized the use of the franchise tag by teams when it restricts their perceived ability to renegotiate a more lucrative contract. Well, of course it does. So basically, this is on the owners. Basically, basically, this is what it sounds like to me when they negotiated this, that the owners said, like, we don't want to give out, like, seven-year contracts, right? Especially in the NFL where players get injured and they get injured, they come back a different player, right? They, that, you know, they don't want to do seven-year contract. We'll do four-year contract and then be able to still keep you for year five, six, and seven with a 20% raise, but we don't want to be locked into it, right? The thing that confuses me in the NFL, they don't even have guaranteed contracts, right? Isn't the NFL the only major sports league in the United States where the players don't have get like they could be cut and not get paid. Isn't that the main reason why the signing bonuses matter more than anything? Or they structure it that the first year they make so much more than in the last year? Isn't it that way? It's not like baseball. Baseball, you sign a 10-year, yeah, 10-year, $200 million contract. You're getting paid that by someone. Bobby Bonilla is still getting paid. Okay. Like, you're done. Like, some other team will pay you. It doesn't, like, someone will be paying you that. The basketball works the same way. You sign a five-year, $60 million deal, you're getting paid, you will get that $60 million. NFL, you don't. The NFL, is the players' union in the NFL just that bad? Defix says you have to add a franchise tag reduction to all projections now. Yeah, maybe. 
So if people are saying in the chat, the franchise tag was how Kirk Cousins made so much guaranteed money in the past. Because he was franchise tagged and he ended up with making more money than he should have been. How does that work? Right, because the top five players at quarterback was all because he was franchise tagged and his contract was like this small. But then because the top five players at quarterback were get, got big contracts, like he got a big contract. Like that one year of playing, you got paid a ton of money. I'm assuming that's I'm assuming that's what you mean. But really, but really, the the the, the complaints for Barkley, for Pollard, for for Jacobs is is not. I mean, it's not only the franchise tag. Is that that formula, like? It, it's not bad. The formula isn't bad because it's collectively bargained by, by the union. It's just that running backs in particular across the league, the salaries have gone down, which means now when you're franchise tagged, you end up making less money. So that's essentially, okay. Now, now I get what people are talking about the rules. They need to change the rules. Okay. This, okay. This at least makes sense. I was wondering what the hell rules would they be changing? I wasn't unaware that there was a formula. And because of the average salary of running backs now. Yeah, I get it. I get Okay, I get it now. I get it. We solved it. Do we solve it? I think the NFL players union needs to get... I mean, they're the, they, I think they're the weakest out of all the major sports. Baseball, the, the baseball players union, they're the, they're the strongest. NBA union is, is pretty good also. But the baseball one is that they're, they're, they're hardcore. I mean, they essentially the baseball players union created free agency in sports, right? Kurt flood. So people, so people should be, you know, that in all, all leagues across the country should be thanking the major league baseball players union. The fact that unrestricted free agency did not exist until the seventies seems it seems bizarre to me imagine imagine you'd think now it's like oh, okay free agent you have a five-year contract you do your five-year contract and then you sign with another team for whatever amount or whatever like before like 19 what 1975 1973 right kurt flood we, we looked that up kurt right kurt flood An MLB career, but he's most on the, the reserve, right? Because they had the, the Major League Baseball had the reserve clause. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Right, he said, screw you. Right, 1970. Right, he basically created free agency with a lawsuit. Now, before then, as, as like 1970, like if you got drafted to a team, like you, you can't play for anyone else. There's no unrestricted free agency. Right, the reserve clause. The reserve clause was the was the first iteration of the franchise tag, right? Right? That they could hold out. The clause was abolished in 1975. Yeah, there you go. Right. And that's why that's why. Yeah, so look at all the leagues. NFL, NBA, NHL, oh, yeah, yeah, Kurt Flood, nineteen seventy-five, right? And then they, they're, the franchise tag seems to be a way of kind of reinstating the reserve clause at least once a season, once a player, right? They can't do it just willy-nilly. A team could do it for one player in the off season, every off season, and that's it. Deepak asks, so who do I lock into my NFL lineups based on this then? Well, not running backs. <laughs> well, I think this coming this coming season, I mean, we saw last last season, like paying up for running backs is I mean, it's a this is gonna be more of a world where you're gonna be playing 5K, a lot of 5K running backs in, in DFS. It's not gonna, I mean, even last year, I mean, we, we'd have 8K running backs. And it's like, oh, yeah, they get like 65% of the team's work, but, and they're in a good spot for touchdowns. I think there's a lot more variance. I've been saying this for, for the past several seasons that people viewed running backs in the past as a low variance position. And now running back is actually the highest variance position. I consider running back to be the highest variance position out of all the slots. Maybe defense. Like defense, DST is always outside of DST. Quarterbacks, you know, they have enough pass attempts. The wide receivers are on the field all the time. The target share that wide receivers have are much more more normalized than, than running back usage. And especially when a lot of the running back value comes in touchdowns. Right, if you play, if you in the past, if there was a running back that got ninety-five percent of the work, like you knew that they were going to be in in the red zone. Like you, it it wasn't a matter of them getting ninety-five percent of the work. Like people, people thought it was about usage, 
and not about opportunity. And that's just the main reason why in the past when, oh, this guy's out, and then the, the, we'd get these 4K running back replacements that come in and get 90% of the snaps. And they go, oh, well, you, you got to play him because the opportunity, like running back is all about opportunity. But it's not opportunity at rushing attempts. I don't care about the 25 rushing attempts. I care about this guy will be on the field when they're, they're on the four-yard line all the time, right? But now we don't get that, right? We get teams that have three running backs, and there may not be a distinct, like, red zone running back, right? It's just like who happens to who happens to be in the game at the time gets the carry on the one-yard line, right? There's pass interference. Right, they get it's a they're on the, they're on the twenty two yard line. They throw some stupid fade pass into the end zone. They get a pi called. Now it's only one yard line, and then it's just what running back? They, they hurry up offense or something, and then whatever running back is in there. That's where a lot of the value in running back in DFS comes from. Touchdown opportunity, right? And running backs you get multiple touch more likely to get multiple touchdowns than wide receivers. So it used to be that when you're paying $8,500 for a running back, it's not just because they're going to get 25 touches, right? 20, 20 carries, 20 rush attempts, and five targets. It's more the fact that they're also going to get, they're, they're going to be in. If this team does well, when the team's inside the 10, inside the five, they're going to be on the field. And those rush attempts or those targets are worth a lot, right? You want those. Those are the highest value for a running back. The, the touches that they get on the opposing team's 30-yard line for six yards are, are not – you prefer wide – you wouldn't prefer a wide receiver getting a six-yard pass than a running back getting a six-yard run at that point. So with so many teams now, have they're rotating in three running backs. And even the lead running back may 50%. Like, dude, yet yeah, we have plenty, plenty of games where you know the lead you're paying sixty four hundred dollars for a running back, and they get twenty two carries for eighty seven yards. You know, two maybe they get two catches for ten yards, and the other two running backs have like six carries, four carries, one target, two targets, and they have three of the touchdowns. Because they happen to be on the field at the time. That I mean, it's so the variance there. I mean, look, the most tilting thing in NFL DFS are goal are goal line carries. Are goal having either having a running back? You you have you have Dalvin Cook when the Vikings are on the one yard line, and him getting stuffed, or you know Cousins quarterback sneaking and like okay, well that's a win. Thank you. But even worse is when you have, you have Dalvin Cook, right? Whatever, whatever, whatever team. You have some, whatever dude breaks off a nice, you know, twenty-two yard run to the three-yard line, and you're like, okay, let's go, time for my touchdown. And then you look, and the other running backs in on the three-yard line. You're like, what happened to that guy? Well, he's on the sideline now, taking a breather, taking a breather for a play or two. Then you have to hope that the other running back gets stuffed. Or, you know, whatever tight end, you don't get the third tight end. And we have those plays where it's like the fake and the, the handoff, and next thing you know, it's the second or third tight end that's a pushing touchdown. And you're sitting there going, 
What did I pay 8,600 for this running back for in DFS? Right, Austin Eckler. You're like, you're sitting there going, oh, yeah, Austin Eckler has, oh, he's already had eight catches. We're in the fourth quarter. He has eight catches, but like Joshua Kelly has three rushing touchdowns. He's like, come on, what is going on here? That's the only thing that I can say fantasy sports-wise about, I don't think it has anything to do with franchise tags. But I don't think paying up for running back is, I mean, I, I think the the more, I mean, obviously there's mitigating situations in certain regards. They're, you know, oh, there's only, they're only suiting up two running backs. And, you know, one guy, like, that's why I say like Derrick Henry, you can always tell. It's like, okay, Derrick Henry is going to always be it. Christian McCaffrey with the Panthers was always going to be it. Like that type of stuff. But for the most part, playing those 5K, those 5K, low 6K running backs, and then just hoping that variance is on your side. You get the touchdowns. I mean, especially for GPPs. I can understand going with with like just usage, you know, playing the, the Damian Pierces, right? The Texans suck but he's going to touch the ball almost 30 times. Give me 12 points in cash games. Like that, I, I could see that. But for GPPs, it's about touchdowns. So how much do you want to pay for touchdowns? And obviously at wide receiver, the 8K wide receivers are much more likely to get touchdowns than the, the 3K wide receivers. I mean, having guys like Justin Jefferson or Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, those types of guys in your wide receiver slots or having uh, an 8K running back that may only get 60% of the work? To me, give me the wide receiver. I'll live and die by. I'll live or die by some Falcons, uh, by by Cordell Patterson or Tyler Algier for, for 5,600 or something. I'll live and die by a timeshare back. Because everything's a timeshare back now. But I think that, I think that the projections will... will show that like once you once you assign usage to these running back committees you'll see that i mean we saw last year a lot of times the most owned running backs were the ones in the high five low six k's right you know david montgomery at 5800 damian pierce at 5600 right antonio gibson at 5000 you know like something like that You rarely saw, like, you know, like Nick Chubb at 7,600 be project well. Daniel Hutchings says if they want to make the running game more interesting, perhaps they could allow the line to block a bit further down the field. Does that matter for the running game? I don't even know if that matters. I mean, typically, they, they, if they allow the line, they don't allow the line block down the field for passing plays. The running backs already has the ball and breaks through the line. I mean, it's. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I. I'm not aware of blocking schemes in in football, so I don't know. Seems like the running back gets the ball and breaks through the line anyway. So why would the line be further down the field? I can understand that on passing plays because the passing plays, you know, the quarterback will hold the ball for four, five, six. Seven, I mean, could hold the ball for a bunch of seconds. You know, and obviously they penalize if you know blockers way down the field, helping out some wide receiver, right? They should be in pass protection. They're good. The, the line is meant for pass protection, 
not to be part of offensive plays like that. So I get why ineligible men down the field for that, but for running backs, I mean, by the same time the running back busts through, you know, busts through and gets the handoff, like what, what three hundred and thirty pound offensive guard is going to be is going to be down the field with the running back? I mean, the running back's way quicker. And that's at least what I think. I don't know. But like I said, this whether or not this 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 part of the game doesn't affect like me making money. So I don't I don't really care that much about it. <laughs> I don't know much, and I don't care much about it. Okay. Anything else in the YouTube chat? Just I don't know, just chilling, chilling and stuff. A YouTube chat day because uh, the next couple of days, it's, there's not there's gonna be no questions. There's gonna be no questions, no answers, no nothing, right? Because tomorrow we have an early grinders live. Then Thursday we have another early grinders live. We have early slate Wednesday. We have an early slates Thursday, and then we have uh, we have uh, MMA this weekend. Right, 15 fight card as of now. As of now, 15 fight card early in the day. It's like a noon lock. And uh we're taking a first look on Friday at that. So so we got baseball grinders live. I'll be on the you'll see me on the thumbnail. Me and Dean. I think Dean. Yeah, Dean's Dean's never off. Me and Dean Wednesday at eleven or so, right? Then Thursday, eleven or so with Dean, and then we'll take a look at the UFC slate on Friday. MMA slate should be good. It should be. It should be good. 15, 15 fights, and only one big favorite. Everything else is kind. Of, it's, it's decent. There may be one or two. There's there's a couple of decent favorites, but for the most part, like we're, we're gonna. I, I I mean I haven't I haven't set up my spreadsheet yet, but I'm I'm expecting that we're gonna see like a ninety. one of these ninety two ninety three hundred dollar fighters? They're only like minus one eighty to win, and we have all all these fighters. 15 fights, if it stays that way, opportunity knocks. Opportunity knocks. Leave some money on the table and get get more uniques. It's the London card. That's why it's so early. It's, it, it's out of London. So we get the, we get Tom Aspinall. We get Molly McMahon. We get all the British people. So, yeah, so tune into that on Friday. And then tune into Grinders Live tomorrow and Thursday. I'll be on with Deed going over the early slates. All right, DraftKings, and uh, and yeah, send in your questions. Questions at theoryofdfs.club, especially since we're heading into NFL, right? We're only a month and a half away or so. So, if hey, if you want to talk NFL, I'm fine with that. Typically, I wait a little bit sooner to the season. The preseason will be coming around. So, if you want to talk some NFL, DFS, NFL sports betting, prop betting, anything. Best ball, even though I don't play best ball, but we could, we could talk about some theories. In best ball, like we did yesterday with James. So go do that. Email me questions at theoryofdfs.com. That's the same place where you get the theory of daily fantasy sports, 15 hour audio DFS masterclass, as well as the advanced player's guide with custom Excel tools. You can pick those up at theoryofdfs.com. And I'll see you tomorrow, right? Hit those thummy thumbs on the way out the door. And I'll see you later. Answering your DFS strategy questions like like I always I always try to do at least. Or we, we answer your questions and then you answer my questions in the YouTube chat. Monday through Friday, eleven o'clock Eastern on the DFS pregame show.
on Roto Grinder. Look, look. 